Hi, and welcome to episode 95 of No Crying in Baseball, the All the Young Dudes episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. 95. 95. That is amazing. Yeah. We are. We have to start planning the 100 party. Yeah, right? don't set those expectations too high because I don't know what the heck we're going to do. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. And I'm, I'm all about the All the Young Dudes. I'm very happy <laughs> with that title for this Should we set. go to Fenway? I went to Fenway last week. Shh, don't tell anybody. But Mr. Pottymouth and I did a one day up. We didn't tell anybody. So anybody who's listening in Boston who's but a friend. But you told all of Twitter. Okay, yeah. We told those people. But we didn't tell people who we knew. <laughs> so... <laughs> So sorry. It's, it's not like it really happened. Then. Right, right. Sorry to any Boston friends who listen but who don't follow us on Twitter. But we had a really good time, even though the Red Sox lost. And that's the beauty of Fenway, that it's just so much soul, so much experience. And it was it was just a trifecta. It was a hat trick, is what I said. Oh, look at you cross-training with hockey. Like, Yay! Check this out. I'm so proud. Let me see if I can remember all three parts. We got a Brock Holt bobblehead. Yeah, you Brock did. Brock Holt cycle because of his cycle during the, the World Series last year. Um, we got to see a Grateful Dead band that was amazing because it was tribute to Jerry Garcia night which was also cool. And number three, a couple of the Celtics uh, throughout the ceremonial pitch. So, it, you know, with all those things, we had to do a quick and we had an, ex an excuse that we just had an anniversary. So it was just like, let's just take off to Fenway, watch our Red Sox lose in style against the Royals. <laughs> Royals. Yep. But it was fun. It was fun. Did you have fun? I had fun. I had fun watching your um your Twitter feed of what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, was... But separately, I had fun going to see a team I had not ever seen before. So Camden and I went to Aberdeen, Maryland, to the Cal Ripken Sports Complex to see the Ironbirds, which is in the Orioles system. It is the single A short season team because the number one draft choice in Major League Baseball plays for them. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. On today's show, we're going to talk about some boyfriends the way we do, including Conforto, VR, Acuna, Albies, and Juan Soto. More young guys, really all the young dudes today. We're going to include a little update on Bo Bichette and Adley Rutschman, the number one draft pick who I got to see play in Aberdeen with the Ironbirds. We're going to do some cross-training with, I believe they might be rugby fans. God bless them. And some premature ejections. I'm saying that very carefully once again. Mostly, we're really excited to have a special guest today. Justine Siegel, the founder of, of Baseball for All, is joining us today to talk about the recently concluded Nationals tournament that they had in Rockford, Illinois. So first, we have our boyfriends. These are the guys that we check, on, check in on week to week. If you go back to our off-season episodes, you'll hear why we chose them. We each chose one from every major league team because they have something special, something beyond the field. I chose Michael Conforto for the Mets, um, and I haven't checked in on him in a long time. And he's been doing stuff, and he had a week. He had his 100th career home run this week on the 7th of August, last Wednesday. And right after that, 101. Two days later, he had his first career walk-off. <sighs> I know. that. I mean, happy for the boyfriend, sad for our nationals because it was against beloved Sean Doolittle. And that was just a clusterfuck of a let of me a break inning. in for one moment to say so we had the twins that we had been ignoring a little bit and then we brought them into the fold and then we were kind of realizing we hadn't 
paid attention to the Cardinals and they were showing up as contenders. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, here come the Mets. They're on a tear. We had written them. Well, I had written the Mets off. I was hoping to write the Mets off. But you know what? I love a Cinderella story. Now, if I could just make some Mets fans that I know personally be a little kinder, then I'd be okay with this. But the Mets out of nowhere are coming back. And I wish it wasn't the ex- at the expense of the Nationals. Although you know who you've been consistently throwing some love to is Pete Alonso, the polar bear. Who has been doing amazing. And he factors into this story. Do tell. So when, tell me a story. when Alonso does the walk-off, people go nuts, except for poor Sean Doolittle, who Wait, I feel no, terrible for. When Conforto when, does so, the sorry, walk-off. Sorry, yeah, replay. When Conforto does the walk-off, people go nuts, except for Sean Doolittle. And Alonso comes out in his exuberance and rips off his shirt. Rips off whose shirt? Rips off Conforto's shirt. Not his own shirt, because that is, would be weird. No, that would be super weird. <laughs> Although the best quote is from uh, their their manager, Mickey Calloway, who said, when guys' shirts come off, it's probably a pretty good day. I can't even get through that without Cheers to that. Cheers to that. I, I agree with that. I wholeheartedly agree wholeheartedly agree. And there's just a beautiful image of my boyfriend with his shirt ripped off. Hopefully we will be able to put that into our notes. I've got a a big by the way here though. Fans, you make a difference. We make a difference. We are screaming our hearts out in section 408 of Nats Stadium, but we would like some more Nats fans to join us because both starting pitchers of that game between the Mets and the Nationals and Stroman, who had just come onto the Mets from the Blue Jays, and our beloved Steven Strasburg said it was the fans at the end who made the difference. They never gave up on the Mets, even when the Nats were winning. Yeah. I mean, ninth inning, you're down six to two and the stadium is still full. That wouldn't happen here. I've got to say it wouldn't happen. We would be there if it weren't a school night, maybe. But we would be there. And you you got to stay. You got to cheer. You can't give up. Right? Right. Speaking of not giving up, Orioles. Oh, God. Yeah. Orioles. Love Orioles. the Orioles. Right? You don't love the Orioles. Well- I love the <laughs> Orioles. And right now, back to see Cinderella story above. One day, it will be a Cinderella story again instead of just the cinders. Yeah. So so believe it or not, I haven't been talking about my Orioles boyfriend because I just haven't been talking about the Orioles so much. But Jonathan VR did something cool despite the Orioles losing the game against the Yankees. Last week, he hit for the cycle. He was the fifth O's player in history to hit for the cycle. And he didn't know it as it was going on, because you don't talk about those things. Right? See, I didn't know you didn't talk about a cycle. Yeah, I figured people, I figured that would be like one of those obvious things that everyone was talking about. But he said, yeah, until he singled, which was the last one he needed, and got to first base, and the first base coach told him he hit for the cycle, he had no idea. I think he just wasn't paying attention. How can you have no idea? I don't know. But it's like, I mean, it's a rule, right? So we've got to add this to our rules of stuff. I didn't know it was a rule, but okay. It's a rule so now. you don't talk about a no-hitter in process. You don't talk about a cycle in pos- process. See, I always talk about a cycle in process. Maybe it's me. When they don't get it, maybe it's me because I talk about them all the time. You, you know what? I'm going to have to leave a cliffhanger. I didn't do my homework. So I put this question in my notes. <laughs> Saying this, this really sucks. Saying which is more common, a cycle or a no hitter? I've got the numbers. One is three hundred two, and one is three twenty nine in MLB history. And I, honest to God, don't remember which I is which. I would put money on the no hitter being slightly more common. All right, I do. I think so. All right, we're gonna we'll, because we will, triples are damn hard to yeah. come by. They really are. Yeah. 
I bet it's that. I think but those, are, right. those numbers I, are awfully close together. I do think you're right. The numbers are remarkably close. You all are going to have to follow us on social media to figure it out. We're at, uh, where are we? NCIB Podcast on Twitter and No Crying in B-Ball on both Facebook and Instagram. Noted, though, VR does not come off unscathed because your wonderful daughter who brought her friend who is learning baseball to the Yankees-Orioles game where the Orioles lost terribly. And your daughter is amazing at coaching this friend through it. And apparently, like, he really was was involved and interested. But as she's there, I'm following Twitter, and I notice a kerfuffle. Kerfuffles, you know, draw my attention. Between Chris Davis and the manager. Chris Davis, like, lunging at his manager. At the Orioles' manager. Yeah, in the dugout. Brandon Hyde. And I basically, you know, texted a WTF to your daughter because she was there. I was like, what's going on? And she said, you know, I think it's because of VR. And I was like, my boyfriend? I bet she didn't say I think. I bet she said yeah, she it was much, absolutely VR's fault. She, she pretty much she pretty much hung it on him because yeah. I guess he, he made bad a throw. Yeah, errors. He was playing poorly. He made a bad throw that Davis couldn't pull in at first. So bad throw, Davis couldn't cover. And so it was bad all around. And he was pissed and took his pissedness into the dugout with him. And they had a dust-up that should not have happened in the dugout. It should have happened down the tunnel in the clubhouse. And they both say that. Yeah. Both sides say that, and they just want it to be over. So we'll stop talking about it now. I want to talk about some more boyfriends. I'm going to talk about a boyfriend who is mine and a boyfriend who belongs to Potty Mouth because they are both our Atlanta baseball team boyfriends, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies, because they are batting one and two and they are doing miraculous things together in addition to being the young guys and being good friends. So as an example of how they work together, this past Friday, between the two of them, they went seven for 10. They scored four runs. They had five RBIs, three homers, and a double between the two of them. Wow. So amazing that Freddie Freeman, who bats third, said, yeah, players three through nine don't actually need to show up. He's just looking for a break. He's like, well, I've got it covered. <laughs> I'm just going to sit back, have a beer, chill a little He's bit. He's also being modest because when you include Freeman in the equation, and then there are one, two, and three in the batting order – those three have more RBIs and more home runs than any top three in the batting order across Major League Baseball. So Freeman is definitely helping out. Well, and to give you some props, Freeman was your boyfriend last year. Yeah, he and was. And by our boyfriend rules, we can only keep one across the league from year to year. So you had to let him go. But check it out. You've picked really well. Check it out. So um, Ozzy Albies had his third Four-hit game in four days. Four hits in a game three times? Three times in a four-day period. He is the third player in Atlanta team history to do that. One of those other ones was my guy, Kenny Lofton. See photos of me and Kenny above. Um, And uh, Albies has been hitting 500 this week. Just this week, 500. So two things that come to mind there. First of all, you always pronounce Albies better than me. So mm-hmm. power to you for, mm-hmm. for getting my boyfriend straight. And also the the see photos above, really, really photos. We were at All-Star Weekend and Patty actually randomly got to get her picture taken with Kenny Lofton. We were in line for something else. And she's like, oh, We were in line for Francisco Lindor. Mm-hmm. And I stepped out of that line because I didn't think we were going to get those pictures. And sadly, I was right. And I said, no, no, I'm going up to see Kenny because Kenny played for the Cleveland team in my formative I love you Cleveland years. Um, so the way to remember how to say Albies is you ask the question, what did you get on your report card? And the answer is Albies. Okay. 
Okay, so that's how you can remember right. it. Okay, so Ronald Acuna Jr. Ha- currently has 32 home runs and 28 stolen bases. This is as of Sunday before the Sunday games started. So I'm sure both of those things will have increased by the time you hear this program. Mm-hmm. He may get to a 40-40 season, and that means 40 home runs, 40 stolen bases. Only four people in Major League Baseball history have done that so far, and he might do it. The stolen bases are a little far away, but he's fast and he's good at it. He's been hitting 406 the past seven days. And and talking about photo ops, go back in our social media. There's a beautiful um, picture of both of us with Ronald Acuna. He really brings the beauty to that picture. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> We're going to just cool off for a second. Yep. See um, when guys' shirts come off, it's probably a good... T- oh, wait a minute. No, no. We yeah. were all... We were, we were yeah, just there. We're it's dressed. okay. Yeah, it's all right. Okay. Okay. Last young guy I'm going to talk about. No, it's not even the last young guy. The but, next young guy you're going to talk the, about. The last young boyfriend yeah. we're going to talk about is my beloved Juan Soto from the Washington Nationals, who is number 22. That number 22 has significance because last year he had 22 home runs in all of 2018. Not bad. This year, he had 22 home runs a couple of days ago. As of the time of this recording, it's up to 24. And by the time you guys listen, it's going to be more than that. But you know what? He doesn't turn 22 until next year on October 20th. Man, man, (laughs) love him so much. Quick, quick cross training break. This cracks me up. Uh, so there. Wait, was, is there drinking involved? There's so much drinking involved. Is there swearing involved? So much drinking and swearing involved because we're it's talking perfect for you. Irish rugby fans. No, Irish rugby fans. That's a perfect storm right it's there. Totally, <laughs> totally drinking like crazy at a Blue Jays game. And I guess somehow they brought attention to themselves. They were spraying beer, maybe using some potty mouth language. And they got ejected from the game. The funny part is that the crowd was chanting for them to stay. I mean, these guys were hysterical. Not sure there what. Was, there was that one guy in the crowd who yes. doesn't like fun. Right. There was that one guy who texted, who the, texted the, the number. The <laughs> people around me are behaving inappropriately number. So they got ejected. What was noted about it, though, is that they were wearing Canadian tuxedos, what? Irish rugby Fans wearing Canadian tuxedos. I, I don't. What's what's a Canadian tuxedo? This is not formal. I mean, you don't a, wear formal wear to a Blue Jays game. Apparently, it's jeans and a jean jacket over a t-shirt. So I am good with that. That means that my husband won, wore a Canadian tuxedo all through high school. <laughs> yeah, he knows how to dress for success. <laughs> there you go. And they were totally shit faced. Just just spraying beer all over the place. They were ejected. They were not the only ones who were ejected that night. Our friend Brett Gardner. Huh. Of the banging on the the dugout roof, Brett Gardner fucking banging on the roof with his bat. I think he should be ejected till he learns to not do that because that's so annoying. He just thinks he's in a New York City apartment and he's telling the people upstairs to calm down, but he keeps doing that. But apparently, things were not going well for the Yankees in that game. They lost, um, and there were some comments coming out from the dugout to the home plate umpire. So there was a case of mistaken identity with this premature ejection, and Brett Gardner was ejected for something that perhaps Cameron Mabin said, but Aaron Boone also was. But it was Gardner's reaction that was just ridiculous, right? Okay, so I want to break in for one second. Yeah. The, I, I was watching this game, and the, the commentators referred to it as the no-look hook because the umpire did not even look into the dugout mm-hmm. to see who was causing the disruption. He kept his eye on the pitcher, and he just pointed over there. And Boone came out to say, who are you ejecting? 
uh-huh. because they had no freaking idea what was happening there. He didn't even look to see who was doing what he had a problem with. But then Gardner comes out oh, man. and like goes after the umpire and he had to be restrained. So like if you're, you, you know, unfairly judged for something, what's the appropriate response? Go the- lunging? <laughs> <laughs> right. Make a scene, I think, be as loud as possible to convince people that you are minding your own business. Mm-hmm. It works every time. Yeah. So the the Blue Jays broke the Yankees' streak of wins, which I was so relieved about. But the Yankees also broke a streak that we're going to go into a little bit more, which is Bo Bichette. I can't say it without laughing because the first time we saw him was at the Futures game last year. And you guys both said Boba Fett. We kept saying he was Boba, Boba Fett. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's kind of, he'll always be Boba Fett it, to me. He will always be our Boba Fett. But he had a streak of a hit for every of his first 11 games. So let's let's talk a little bit more about um, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Or Bo Bichette as he, um, his birth name, I believe. Um, <laughs> but I think Boba Fett is so much more fun. Oh, God, can he do that for Players Weekend? I don't think that – I didn't see what his nickname was. They've already released those. But we need to write in for next year. He hasn't had much time. Wow, that's true. We've got to send him a letter. That's true. Okay, so so, um, Bo is the shortstop for the Blue Jays. He's 21, um, like a whole bunch of these other guys that we've been talking about. He is the first rookie with an extra base hit in nine straight games. An extra base hit in nine straight games since Ted Williams did it in 1939. Aw. That's That's how big a deal this is. He just came up in the end of July, like 10 days ago, less than two weeks ago. He came up and he's already breaking records. Since he debuted, he is hitting 357. Oh, my God. Wow. That's freaking amazing, right? And he is not the only – there's all these guys who are the sons or grandsons of – of MLB players of like of legend, really. Right. So Bichette, um, Biggio, Guerrero Jr., and Guriel are all related to basically baseball royalty. Right. And they're all playing together on the Blue Jays. And they all came up together through the minor league system. And they're kind of like a sitcom. Yeah. So um Bichette said that um that Guerrero and Guriel are like the fun guys, like the party guys, and he's sort of the fiery one, and Biggio is like the um the prom chaperone. That's hysterical. <laughs> That's hysterical. So importantly, Guriel's father was the Cuban legend, mm-hmm. so hadn't gotten the opportunity mm. to come here and play. Thank you. Yeah, but the rest of them MLB legends, but all of them. But Guriel's big brother is yeah. a is an MLB player. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So the other young guy I want to talk about is also 21, but he's at a different place in his career. I went with my kid yesterday to see the Ironbirds play at Aberdeen. The Ironbirds are the um, the Orioles' single A short season team, and Adley Rutschman has been called up. He was the number one draft pick this year, and because the Orioles are in the basement, they had the honor of picking this guy who's a catcher. They got him out of Oregon State. He signed with an 8.1 million dollar signing bonus. Not bad. Not bad. And we are so lucky to have seen him because he's spending part of the time at catcher and part of the time only DHing and to because get, you can do that in the American League. Yeah, it sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> and and getting, you know, a day off here and there as he mm-hmm. kind of learns the ropes. And we just lucked into showing up on a day where he started as catcher. So we got oh, to see nice. him for the whole game. So a couple of things that were cool about this. Number one Everybody is pinning their hopes on this kid. So that's a lot of pressure for his young shoulders. And it's interesting to call them young shoulders because we just talked about all of these other guys who are in the majors already, who are breaking records at the major league level, who are also 21 years old. 
he just got started because he got drafted out of college, which is a different path than some of these other guys took. But he is super patient at the plate. Every one of his at-bats, he got to at least three balls, whereas other guys were striking out way sooner than that. And he walked once. The best part about it, this was my kids, like her bucket list before going to college. I want to see Adley Rutschman play before I leave for school. He hit a walk-off single. He won the game. So that was very cool. But, you know, my kid got a Rutschman shirt there and people were buying them like crazy. Old people were wearing them. Little kids were wearing them. It's the only shirt with a name on it that they are selling in the gift shop, you know, in the team store. That's it. Maybe someday that she's going to be able to look back and say, I got this when. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of hopes on this kid. But I wanted to take a second to talk about the different paths that these guys took to get there. So Adley Rutschman played in college, went to the College World Series, and got drafted as a junior out of Oregon State. Um, We talked about Juan Soto, who came up through the Dominican Republic in the Nationals Academy there. So he was there as a kid, basically going to school there and Mm -hmm. learning baseball at the same time. And so he started super young. And then, like, uh, Boba Fett got got drafted right out of high school. Mm -hmm. So he's the same age, but he got drafted in 2016. So there are all of these different paths that guys can take to get to like to to lead them to the major leagues. So uh, later on, when we talk to Justine um, about girls playing baseball, think about that. Keep that in mind about how many different paths are open to boys and men playing baseball, and how that maybe should change for young mm-hmm. women, right? Uh, just a, a side note on rookies: the yesterday, two rookies, Jordan Alvarez of the Astros and Aristides Aquino of the Reds, had three home runs. In one game each? In one game each. So, uh, you know, uh, this gives me a lot of hope, though, for the future of baseball. We're talking about these young guys who are just super excited, super hot. Things are going to go well in the future. My last little little side note is a happy follow-up to last week when I was feeling very sad about Jonathan Lucroy having been DFA'd because of his head injury. Optics on that looked really shitty, but the Cubs picked him up. So he's in a good place. The Cubs are doing well. So yay for Lucroy. Wrigley Field is definitely a good place. We are lucky on No Crying in Baseball today to welcome Justine Siegel, who is fresh off of an intense weekend, long weekend, with Baseball for All National Tournament, which we've talked about here on the podcast, we've been tweeting about, we've been posting about, and we want to hear firsthand what it's all about. Justine Siegel is the first woman to coach for an MLB organization. She coached with the Oakland A's in 2015, and as a result, her jersey is in the Hall of Fame fame in Cooperstown. She's the first woman to have thrown batting practice to an MLB team during spring training, and that would be Cleveland. So Patty can be super proud there in 2011. And she founded, very importantly, Baseball for All, uh, an organization we've talked about a lot. It's a nonprofit that provides opportunities for girls to play, to coach, to lead in baseball. And we asked her here to join us today to really talk about the recent tournament that was held last weekend in Rockville, Illinois, home of the famous Rockville Peaches. And thanks so much for joining us, Justine. Thank you for having me. So we know that this is the fifth annual tournament, which is amazing. Congratulations. And we we're wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the history of this tournament of Baseball for All Nationals and a little bit about what the growth trajectory has been like from year to year. 
Sure. Um, well, I started by taking a girls team to um, Cooperstown. Um, and we did that for 13 years um, at Cooperstown Dreams Park. But then I started thinking if I could start a team, then I could teach someone else how to start a team and we could host our own girls baseball tournament. And that's what we did in 2015. We held the first national girls tournament. And um, so five years later, uh, we were in Rockford uh, earlier this month. So the first week of August, we started, we had 12 teams and this year. We had 31 teams and about 200 more girls than that first year. Uh, so we've really grown and, and it's, I would say its impact has also grown as, as the years have gone on. That is amazing. And I just have to to excuse myself for saying Rockville because we live in Maryland and that just came out of my <laughs> fingers when I was typing. Of course, it's the Rockford peaches. I am so embarrassed. But that that's amazing. I'm, I'm really curious about going to Cooperstown. So what team did you bring there? Um, I brought a girls team that I collected through basically the internet. I recruited girls through the internet who were playing in voice programs. And um, then we would go play the boys um, at, at Dreams Park, and uh, we were the first national girl. We're the first girls team to compete in a national boys tournament, and there is a documentary called "The Girls of Summer" uh, featuring that event. I guess that week, that tournament. Fantastic. So the the growth and size of of this national tournament is just amazing. In five years, what do you attribute that huge growth to? Um. Well, you know, to the coaches like the DC Force and, you know, they were basically came to our first event and then grew where they are. So, you know, now they're entering three or four teams for nationals instead of just one. So uh, we have incredible administrators and coaches who are just getting it done in their own communities and, and building more teams in preparation for nationals. Yeah, but the, it, it does help. The internet helps a lot as well as far as getting the word out and reaching girls that you would never reach have reached before. It, it helps us a lot. And I'm amazed to see these organizations like the LA Monarchs, the Boston Slammers here in D.C. We love the D.C. Force. How, how many others are there? Oh, well, from Albany, uh, California, San Francisco Bay Sox, so both those organization submitted two teams um the bay Sox from san francisco were actually with us our very first tournament and the city got so excited and now they support their program um, financially and structurally um, which is really incredible and we did uh, we did hold the nationals in san francisco so um we've held our nationals in three different places and and next year we're going to um, aberdeen maryland um, with uh, the ripkin facilities there I was just there yesterday to watch the Ironbirds, and that's a beautiful park. I'm so glad you're going to be close by where we can go. That's a great place to have a tournament. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're excited. Rockford uh, was a beautiful host, and we just needed to switch it around so that it became a lot easier for parents to, to from different areas of the country to be able to attend our tournament. And we'll be back. We run smaller events, smaller, we call them series, smaller tournaments around the country. And we'll be back to Rockford for one of our more regional events. I'm super excited about Maryland, though, because I think very selfishly, I think <laughs> that we could make it out there, which would be a lot of fun. What What is the planning like at this point? What needs to be done to get things together out here next year? Well, I'm still finishing up 
everything from last week. <laughs> oh, wow. So there's not a whole lot of planning going forward. Uh, right now, I have to still finish up a, a lot of the paperwork. Uh, being a nonprofit, you have to make sure all your paperwork is in in proper hands and reported correctly. I can't even imagine. I have a question about that. So are these tournaments underwritten by like corporate sponsors or grants or is just all the parents paying their kids way and doing the best they can? Um, we're very parent driven, parent financed, however you want to see it. Um, we do have scholarships uh, based off of a federal regulation, which is very close to um, if you qualify for a free or reduced lunch at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have player fee scholarships. Um, other than it's mostly parents, this year we did have um, the Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball's Players Association uh, gave us a grant from their new youth development program, which helped us uh, give o- out over 50 scholarships. That's amazing. And that's the first time that MLB has been involved? Yes, with funding. Yes. Do you see that getting bigger in the future? Yeah, I, I'd hope so. I mean, it to me, it's a no-brainer to get involved in what's essentially a new sport um, at the grassroots level, not just for Major League Baseball and the Players Association, but also for corporations. Um, you know, we're we're really changing what baseball looks like in a good way by including more girls, a, a new population to the sport. Of course, girls playing baseball is not new, but girls baseball and girls getting the chance to play with other girls is, is fairly new beyond um, the Pawtucket Slaterettes who have had their league for 40 years. You were talking about how the internet has helped you reach people. Do you get a lot of like individual girls who don't have teams where they are that want to get involved that you can somehow bring into this larger umbrella? Yeah, I would say for nationals, as an example, about 30% of our girls are uh, come in as individuals. And then the other teams or organizations like the Monarchs uh, bring them in. And from there, what, you know, part of our growth is that those parents become inspired. And even though they may play playing for the LA Monarchs, they go, hey, wait, I'm from Cleveland. I can start a team in Cleveland. And that's really how we grow. This, it seems to be just catching fire. This is super exciting to hear about, especially the growth from year to year. Do you have some moments from the tournament this year that just stick out to you? Anything that was really memorable? Um, I mean, watching a game in extra innings with the international tiebreaker under the lights and the winner gets to go to the gold medal game. You know, everyone's cheering. I was pretty exciting, uh, I think, for everyone to see that quality of play and just the intensity level. Um, another one where we had, you know, on the opposite spectrum where we had two teams where one team was just, um, still in very much a developmental phase and the two teams decided to play with each other and actually mixed up the teams so that (laughs) it would be more fair. Oh, that's amazing. And those girls, you know, they're all fast friends now and talking about when can we visit each other? And so, you know, that's also the baseball for all way. You know, that is so heartwarming. And there's competition and that sportsmanship and friendship. It's like they all want to make each other better at the same time. Yeah, I think there's, it's, you know, I call us a family. Yeah. And once you're a part of it, you're a part of it. And everyone has the same story of, or most people have the same story of being the only girl. And so they're not. Mm -hmm. And this this shared experience, you know, now with this really joyous experience of being with other girls just like them is it it 
connect you very quickly. Is there an impact on the host city when you leave? Like, because this event was there, I'm sure that raises awareness of girls playing baseball. Is there sort of a, you know, the tournament is gone, but now all these people who are spectators see that this is possible and get interested? Do you see that happening at all? Well, for Rockford, for example, has the International Women's Baseball Center that they're, de- right. they're, you know, building up in Rockford. So it was very important that we went there and supported that project. And they will continue to grow and become a staple in Rockford. Um, there is now the Little Rockford Peaches, a team of six and seven-year-olds who are, you know, all excited and, and came together because they were inspired by what they saw. Wow. They were a little young for our tournament this year, but next year at our regional tournament, they'll for sure be there. That is amazing. So talking about visioning, and I know the center is a vision that's going to be coming into fruition hopefully soon. What what do you what is your vision for the future for nationals? What do you see happening in say five years or ten years? Well, I think the, I mean my vision for five to ten years is is less about nationals as it is about. Uh, girls baseball programs, you know, around the country where it's more viable to play all, you know, all year round or for a season, um, meaning not just, you know, three events, but maybe just as you would with your co-ed team throughout, throughout the summer. Um, we are expanding our series, which are smaller tournaments, as I mentioned, and we'd like to see those, you know, I think those could be in every major market, every major league baseball market. We could be having one of our own girls tournaments. Oh, and yeah. Those tournaments really work as a as a motivation to start a girls team or to pull girls who are playing um, within the area so that they can play. You know, um, not everyone. We want to be able for you to be able to jump in the car and paint girls baseball, not have to necessarily fly to get there. Are, are you hopeful that you're building a pathway to girls being able to play in college or you're looking at the majors or are you just like, I just want girls to play if they want to play. Sure. I mean, the first thing I'm looking at is making sure that an eight year old gets a chance to play baseball. If that's what she wants to do. And that in itself is not happening enough where we still get emails of girls who are being told they can't try out schools, not letting them play uh, the local leagues, not letting them play, or they're just being treated so poorly. So that is part of our mission, you know, where we talk about that discrimination and help the parent the best we can. Um, Of course, college baseball, you know, is something on the radar, something that's important. But um, I would say our primary focus is making sure, you know, 11-year-old kids can keep playing baseball and that people aren't kind of taking their futures for them and saying, hey, you can't play this because you're a girl. I think that that's just sort of, it's insane. It's insane. And and people should be more upset by that because if you tell a girl she can't play baseball, what else will she think she can't do? So those, those adults who are upset about this, that maybe don't have a kid in the game, but are thinking this is unfair. I want to support girls baseball. What do I do locally? Um, well, you could always start a team, a girls team, um, by reaching out to leagues. Um, yeah, if you decide you want to start a team, always talk to parents and not children. Um, <laughs> that's the, just a, a little tip. That's a good tip. Everyone's comfortable. Um, 
And you can always reach out to us at baseballthrall.com. And if you live in an area that already has a program, you might be able to just reach out with them. Um, of course, funding is queen. And um, if you work or you, you have like a certain, like if you're a graphic artist, you know, we always need volunteer graphic artist stuff done. Um, if you have a connection where, you know, that it, where it just makes sense, you know, we're, we're a community and we, we grow as a community. It's, it's not one person doing everything. It's, it's together we grow. So if something that can add to that community, we'd love to, you know, welcome you and be a part of it. So we're about an hour away from Aberdeen and we want to play. We want to be involved. So please keep us in touch about nationals next year and let us know what, what two uh, podcast hosts can do to uh, help promote or get involved right there on the scene. Cause this is really cool. And we're glad you're going to be close to us. Yeah. Thank you. And definitely we'll keep you in mind and figure out how to, how to get you in there. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And, uh, and we look forward to hearing what comes next. Yeah, thank you so much. And keep rocking your podcast. It's wonderful. So this week coming up, I have two more Nats games with my kid before the kid leaves for college. Teary, Wow. Wow. We had a great time at a minor league game yesterday. We're going to two Nats games this week. And that's going to be it for the season. And I'm just going to be hanging out with you guys. And we're all going to be crying into our beers, missing our kids. Or maybe just yelling, N-A-T-S, Nats, 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 woo. I think it'll be a combination. It'll be a combination. Beer both. will definitely be involved. What are you doing this week? I'm going to go to the Grateful Dead Night at the Nationals. So that it was surprising so no one. Surprising <laughs> no one. This is like when my worlds collide. Like the Venn diagram here is just I couldn't resist. Even though it wasn't one of our, our um, season ticket nights, I get a cool cap with dancing bears, which I really love. So I'm very excited about Grateful Dead Night and seeing the Reds. So that should be fun, even though um, Puig isn't there, but he's coming later. So yes. we'll get him. We'll get we'll him get later. We'll get him at the end of the season. We, and our fantasy baseball boyfriends, well, our baseball boyfriends are part of our fantasy league. So we put these guys on our league, and I have been sucking like crazy this year, but I am no longer in the basement. And like VR did not know that he hit for the cycle, you did not know. You had moved no up. You didn't even check clue. because you were so used to the basement that all of a sudden, no, you are no longer in the basement. No You're one clue. up. You're a floor up from no the basement. Clue. And I think that's because our Venezuelan friend and his Venezuelan team has been way asleep at the wheel. He's been <laughs> doing a lot of stuff this summer, and I think he's got to have some people on the IL or something. But the leftovers, which is my housemate. The, the my guy, housemate? Did he get demoted? Did you guys have a fight? Should I worry? Oh, my God. What's happening? Okay, what's wrong? Okay. It's Mr. Potty Mouth. Okay. I love him dearly. He was a great companion for my Fenway excursion. And he is in oh first God, place. housemate companion. Does- <laughs> what anniversary was this? 73? 23. 23. Oh, okay. We're up there. We're up there. Plus 10 years before that. But anyway, he's he's been really polite Too about much not, information. Ru- Sorry, folks. Not, not rubbing this in. He's a number one, El Wombo's number two, but you are hanging in there and you might overtake him. You're you're bronze right now. I am nine points away from Mr. Potty Mouth. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. I am just saying. All right. Over the coming week, if you are not busy packing your kid off to college or going to baseball games, please go ahead and listen to some back episodes and get caught up on things that you've, you've missed. Tell your friends all about us. If you have time and could st- stop for a minute and rate and 
review on Apple Podcast. That would be a lovely thing. We hope you're following us on social media. Potty Mouth told you before where to find us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast and at NCI. Oop, no crying in b-ball. Thank you very much at um, Instagram and Facebook. And let us know what's happening in your baseball worlds. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth.